And so there were a lot of limiting factors in my life and which is what gave me the passion of serving and helping others because it was actually through my struggles that I created this beautiful new beginning in business. Hey guys, I'm Grace. And I'm Kimberly. And we need to talk. The We Need to Talk podcast is about the taboo stories you wouldn't want to tell your best friends or your mama. We're your friends that are here to hold the sacred space for your stories. We dig into the discomfort of the hard conversations that make your heart pound and your hands sweat. Yet instead, we're here to build unity within our stories and stand hand in hand because the heartbeat of that discomfort is the heartbeat that ties our humanness together. Join us each week as we share powerful, raw stories, inspiring interviews, and use our voices in the hopes that you are inspired to have the hard conversations and say, we need to talk. Are you ready to peel back the layers? Welcome back to the show, the We Need to Talk podcast with Grace Presley and Kimberly Borges. Today, we have a soul sister conversation with Jamie Harena. Jamie is a branding and mindset mentor for female entrepreneurs, and she has an incredibly powerful story. And I think that when you listen to it, you will just be blown away by her presence, by her self-awareness and really just her purpose, which is, you know, kind of her, her business in general. It's, it's called the purpose-driven, a purpose-driven life. And she really lives it. And I am so excited to share her story with you. Um, growing up, if you have struggled, if you came from a less than picture perfect childhood, I think that the story is really going to resonate with you and just being able to listen to how she overcame that and what she did to elevate and up level her life is just going to motivate and inspire you to keep going and to do the same with your own. So without further ado, here is Jamie Harena. Welcome, Jamie. Hello. Hi. We're so excited to talk to you today. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I'm so excited to be here and honored. I'm so excited to have the listeners be able to like experience you and all your beauty. Well, they don't get to see you, but just all your greatness and get to hear your story. Like I'm, uh, you know, your story. Um, when I first heard it and like just hearing you speak and just all like the realms of it, oh my gosh, like it resonated just so much. And so I know it's going to be so powerful for the listeners to be able to hear this. So I, I just truly actually just want to dive like right on in with okay. you and just yeah, have these do this. <laughs> yeah. Like let's just get, get to it and have them um, know. So um, Jamie, why don't you just introduce yourself? Like who is Jamie Harina? Okay, so we're going to just start from the beginning of time. I'm just kidding. Um, so I am actually 26 years old, a single mom to two beautiful girls who are the ages six and four. Um, life wasn't always as great as it is now. I own a successful mindset and um, branding business where I help female entrepreneurs create brands and overcome their um, negative limiting core beliefs. and and with that happening, it just creates a really beautiful new beginning to their life. And um, so before that, I was actually like a lost puppy. 
I feel like we all go through this phase where we're traveling through time where we just don't know our purpose. We don't know what we want out of life. We don't know where we're going. We're like, why am I here? And so, uh, you know, growing up, I had gone through the ringer in every way possible. I was mentally, sexually, physically abused, um, grew up very poor, sometimes without any heat or electricity um, or food. And so there were a lot of limiting factors in my life and which is what gave me the passion of serving and helping others because it was actually through my struggles that I created this beautiful new beginning in business. Yeah, I just was really curious. First of all, thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Um, I'm just really curious to give our listeners a little bit of a deeper dive into what you mean by by the ringer and, and kind of what that looks like in what that looked like in your life growing up. Yeah. So growing up, I was raised by a single mom and a dad who was not in my life because he was in and out of jail pretty much my entire life until he passed away when I was 19. Mm. And so life for me then was pretty chaotic. I mean, there were my mom had been married and divorced four times. So there were a ton of men in and out of the home. My mom herself was a recovering drug addict. And so growing up, I was raised with this belief that you had to have a man by your side in order to pretty much do anything in life. Mm -hmm. So I truly believe that I wasn't going to be successful. I wasn't loved. I wasn't enough until there was a male figure there. And so I went on this journey through life looking for a spouse or a companion or a significant other. And I was looking in all of the wrong places. And so it wasn't until I found myself pregnant and married at 19 years old and so confused because I was like, gosh, this is not <laughs> what I thought it would be. Like, I thought that you were supposed to be madly in love with your spouse, right? I thought mm -hmm. that you were supposed to have a wonderful life because that's what the fairy tales tell you. And that wasn't my case at all. I'm pretty sure I got pregnant and married within like a month and a half span. And I was so just confused and young and naive and just like threw myself into it, you guys. Um, and it wasn't until I was 22 years old where I found myself a single mom to two girls. I was separated, hit rock bottom, lost $48 to my name, moved out of my beautiful house and took my kids with me and just started over and that right there was my inflection point where I can let my entire past, my entire um, beliefs that I had about relationships and love and life and being damaged, quote unquote, that was the moment where I decided like, this isn't my story anymore. And I started over. Mm. I, just like start like that, you know, it doesn't just like like there had to be points that got you to that point, you know, Yeah. like you just don't look and you're like, okay, like I'm moving out. I'm done. I'm 20, yeah. I'm 22 with two girls. So right. there, I know there's definitely more there that led you to that. I think the point that you're at now, you can see the beauty in that. You, you certainly can see the beauty and yeah. led you into today. Um, uh, another point I want to touch on um, about your father um, mm -hmm. that, 
that I know that perhaps the listeners don't know um, as part of being gang gang members. Is that right? Yeah. 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 So you had um, this as a role model. And whenever you talk about looking for love, you know, you were looking for love in the wrong place. It's not necessarily that's who your ex-husband was, but that's who you had yeah. um, the idea of love, you know? And so I think, you know, uh, whoever your mother was uh, was bringing into the house, your your father as a gang member, or um, you know your stepfather and being sexually abused, and all those stories that that create the story, and then you have this idea of these fairy tales, and like they're not the story you have in your head, and they're not yeah, they're in not alignment at all. <laughs> yeah, and. And so then it led you to this point, you know, and you, you briefly talked about this point, but I kind of want to dig into what that looked like a little yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I remember um, being 13 years old and my I lived in a double wide trailer pretty much. And so my mom's room was on the other side of the house. And on my side of the house, there were three bedrooms and my mom and stepdad at the time, this was my third stepdad um decided they didn't want to sleep together anymore so he convinced my mom that it would be a great idea for him to move to my side of the house because my siblings were older they were not living in the house any longer and it was just me and my mom and then him and so he convinced my mom it would be a great idea he moved to the other side of the house where it was just him and i and that is where the sexual abuse began and so i didn't understand because i was 13 i was still a virgin didn't have a boyfriend i didn't understand what was happening but i knew that something wasn't okay i knew that there was shame attached to being sexually abused um and so i kept it to myself. And it wasn't until I was 14 where I had my boyfriend who, um, 14 to 15, where I had my boyfriend who I actually lost my virginity to. And it wasn't until then where I realized like, holy crap, like this shit is wrong. Like this was not supposed to happen. And so I had a lot of like PTSD around it. And so I told my brother, I was like, this is what happened to me. And I like, I'm going to tell mom. And so it created this crazy turmoil because you're supposed to trust your brother, right? Like somebody who loves you, who is like part of your blood, you're supposed to be able to trust them and confide in them. Well, it turned out that he told my mom that I was going to lie about my stepdad. And uh, my mom didn't believe me, you guys. She ended up kicking me out at um, 15. And so I was on my own from 15 and still. <laughs> um, but during that period, I remember feeling so much shame and guilt and so much lack of self-love because I was like, all right, well, if I'm telling my mom I was sexually abused by my stepdad, I get kicked out and she loves him. That means that my body is not a temple. That means that my body isn't sacred. It's not special. It's just a body. And so I treated it as that. And so from the age like 14 through 19, I was a rager, you guys. Like I partied so hardcore. I didn't care about my body. I was like, oh, you want to have sex? Great. Let's go do it. Like, I don't care. This isn't my body. It's just a body. And I didn't respect it how it was supposed to be respected. And um, I just remember 
being 15 and my dad wasn't in jail. He was in a halfway house. And I remember like plotting this whole thing. Like I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him that I was abused. I'm going to tell him because he's going to protect me. And you know, this is not even the case because here my dad is like, he was a gang member and he was a hitman. Like he was the one to take people out. And I just remember feeling like, okay, this is the day I'm going to tell him. And then I was like, no, no, I'm not going to tell him. My dad's cycled enough. Like he doesn't need to know that I was abused. And so he never knew. I never told him. Um, I was his everything, but I was also his nothing because he was never there. He was never there for me to talk to or confide in. Um, actually the night that I had wanted to tell him, it was like God did everything possible for me not to because I, um, I remember sitting at this home with him and he never came back. And it was just this moment, like when he gets back, I'm going to tell him when he gets back, I'm going to tell him, but he didn't show up until like the middle of the next day. And he was high as a kite. And I just remember saying, he can't protect me. So there really is no use in me telling him. And so to me, now that I look back on it, I was like, Oh my gosh, like, everything like the universe was working so that I didn't tell him so that I can be sharing this story today out of being inspired and empowered and from a loving place over the place of hate, being hateful and like full of just like fear and shame and anger. And now it's in a place where I see my, my abuser and I'm like, gosh, like I pray for you because Lord knows what you had gone through in your life, you know, but that wasn't the case, right? Like when we're going through the bullshit, like we don't feel as enlightened as we do today, right? Like when we're there in this hard place, like it's tough friends. Like it is tough. Like we're like, do I want to kill myself or do I want to kill this person? Right? Like, do I want to take myself out? Do I want to like crawl into a hole, not even share my story because no one wants to hear it anyway. Or do I want to just like cover it up by anything that I can, if that's drugs, alcohol, sex, freaking looking for love in all of the wrong places. And so, um, through that, through that really troubling time in my life, I just remember, like I said, finding my husband and, he was not anything that I was looking for. So that should have been my first signs, right? <laughs> but I just remember our marriage being this biggest power struggle because he was very sick. It was and still is very successful. Um, makes a ton of money, is a wonderful provider, but just a really crappy husband. <laughs> you know, and I can say that now, but he's a wonderful father, but just, he was just not the one for me. And I just remember feeling stuck in that marriage and just feeling like I wasn't seen or heard or loved or respected or honored and searching for an out, <laughs> like just like asking for a way to get out because I knew that it didn't feel good. But on the outside, it looked like such a pretty picture. Like, what do you mean it's not enough? Like, you have a guy who's willing to pay all your bills and be there for you and have kids with you. What do you mean it's not enough? You guys have a great house. It's like, 
yeah, but we have a great house. We're not sleeping in the same bed. <laughs> we have a great house, but we don't talk. We have a great house, but we have no relationship. So we have a great house as roommates, right? Yeah. And so I just remember picking up my first book and it was from, um, uh, gosh, what is it? It is over there and it was from, um, Osteen, what is it? It's called the, the Battlefield of the Mind. That's what it was. And it just talked about um, her abuse and how she was molested by her, her father for so many years and how throughout the journey she was able to uncover all of these thoughts of like shame and guilt and then like finding God or higher power of the universe and like becoming aligned again and all of the thoughts that our mind plays tricks on us, right? Like we go through a day and we don't say, we, we would love to not be able to say anything bad about ourselves, but it's really hard. <laughs> <laughs> and this book talks about that. Like it talks about the shit when you're in the shit and like talks about the beautiful story when you're on the other side too. And so that book changed my life. And I realized that like, okay, if I want a new life, I have to create a new story. And so, yeah. Did that answer your question? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so powerful. Oh my goodness. And so many, so many questions, you know, out of that. I know you probably have some, Kimberly. Yeah. I kind of, when going back to like what you were originally talking about and you, you sort of said this thing of like, you were surrounded by all of this chaos, which kind of stuck out to me because I had the same thing, but I didn't recognize it as chaos. I thought that that was normal. And mm -hmm. so I just, you know, talking about our story because I thought that was normal. That was the story that I accepted of what my life was going to be like. So when did you recognize that it was chaotic, that it wasn't normal and that there was a different way of living? Mm, that's a really good question. Yeah. So when we're in the mess, it re we really don't notice the difference, right? Like yeah. we're just like, Oh, well my story was, I just have a really crazy Puerto Rican family. That's just it. Cause that's what I heard. Right. Mm -hmm. But to me, I'm like, we're loud. We're always arguing. But I just remember like going to friends' houses and like having dinner with their family and we'd like go to church on Sunday. And I'm like, why do they seem so happy? And they cook together and they're like full of life. But when it really hit me, I was 16 and I was a nanny to triplets. And living in that house, I was able to witness the, the, um, the wife and the husband. And obviously no marriage is perfect, but they communicated like they had such a loving relationship. Um, still not the marriage that I envisioned like the fairy tale marriage, which I don't even think is like real, <laughs> but mm -hmm. you know, living with them and just seeing the amount of love that they had towards their triplets, their three kids, and then seeing the amount of love that they had for each other in the home that they built and me being a live-in nanny. So like on the outside and like the, the little corner room, like just watching their story unfold. I just remember feeling like, Oh, okay. Mm. So my story isn't that normal. Like if this is normal, I lived in hell. <laughs> like if yeah. this is what normal looks like, my story 
should be hush hush. Like, let's not talk about my story. Like, so it almost brought <clears throat> this feeling of, okay, this is probably the perfect life. They had the nice cars, the huge, beautiful house that was like practically a million dollars. All like, you know, they, they had this really lavish and beautiful life. And then I have mine where I didn't even have a car. <laughs> like I have mine where like my family was a chaotic mess. Like we were pay like living paycheck to paycheck, living pretty much like, like orphanage, you know, like just, just mm -hmm. nothing, like nothing to my, in my mind, I was like, Oh my gosh, I felt like scum of the earth is really how I felt compared to this family. But I just remember feeling like, huh, like their last name was shield. <laughs> this is a little funny story. Their last name was shield. And that family saved my life. Like they showed me what was possible. And so this kind of gets me a little choked up because I remember always wanting to get a tattoo of a little knight in shining armor because that was my shield. Mm -hmm. You know, like they created a new story for me and they showed me what was possible. And so I just remember allowing that into my life and saying, like, it doesn't have to be like this. And so they practically adopted me into their family and I'm still really close to them today. And to the point where, like, the grandparents got me Christmas gifts. Like, they got me birthday gifts. And Aww, it was just, yeah. it showed me what family looks like and through the mess and through the beauty and through it all. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's so powerful. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. To be able to have, to be able to have a place, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, a sacred place, like a mystic yeah. place chaos and you know when you said that Kimberly like it instantly brought me back to where I remember what it felt like to no longer breathe toxic air like, mm. like when you are in the middle of it you have no idea how toxic that is until you are breathing like clean air and I had no idea that my normal was so abnormal absolutely no idea until I started like kind of like sharing bits and pieces of this story. And my girlfriends at work were like, Grace, like your husband should not be calling you this, this, and this. Like your husband shouldn't be placing, like I thought husbands did that. <laughs> you know, I had, I had no idea that this wasn't normal for other people. So that mm. chaos was a normal part of it. And you just don't know any different until you see differently for you, Jamie. You see this other family. They have their idea of normal, which perhaps maybe, you know, everybody's, I idea of normal is different how they live mm -hmm. you know normal lives or whatever but something that's so abnormal which was your normal you know mm -hmm. shows you a different way of life and that was yeah. it for me too yeah and that's powerful you know it, it like those those little points are significant points in your story that allow you to pivot or allow you to see differently or to make change you know yeah, I think one of the biggest moments I remember is, you know, in my house growing up, like, I remember feeling like my room wasn't my room, or like, no part of that house was mine, because my mom made it clear a lot of the time, like, this is my house, I pay the bills, you guys just live in it, if I want to walk into your room, I'm going to walk into your room, and it was always like this anxious feeling, like, am I doing something wrong, what, mm. when is she going to barge in here yelling at me, like, just always, what am I going to get hit? And I just remember lying down in the home that I nannied and having my own room, my own clothes, my own space and like my computer and just like, it was so 
quiet. Like it was in the middle of the woods. Like there were birds chirping. The sun was shining through the window. And I was like able to take the biggest breath and just like sigh and just be like, oh my gosh, like this feels so good. Like I've never felt this before. And then to me, it didn't feel normal. I'm like, oh, this is almost like a vacation. This is what people must feel like when they're on a vacation. No, this is what people feel like when they're living their life. Yeah. So yeah. The, the normal thing I like to always, or the not normal thing uh, I like to equate to like, it's like, and I did this for a long time. I had like back pain, you know, and I think a lot of people do this, like can relate to this physically. Like it's like you have like a shoulder pain or something that kind of starts out really small and eventually, you know, gets bigger and bigger and more painful, but you're so used to it that it, like you just accept it as a part of life until you go to like physical therapy or a chiropractor and they fix it. And then you're like, oh my God, I was living in so much pain and I didn't even realize it. I didn't even recognize it as pain. I just accepted it as everyday life. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the same. Yeah. Isn't that funny how life just works though? Because people say I do a lot as a single mom, like I do it all. And I'm like, I don't even feel that way. Like, I feel like I'm not doing enough, but I mean, eventually when I hire somebody to help me out around the house or like clean the house, I'm like, how did I do it all? <laughs> like, how did I do all of this by myself? You know? And it's like, you don't realize it until you're on the other side and you're like, Oh my God, like I went through all this turmoil and here I am still standing. Like, and I can completely resonate with what you say about just like the pain. I grew up with a mom who was always in pain. And so me subconsciously, I believe that I had to be in pain too. So like I subconsciously developed headaches like I created headaches in my own body and I suffered with headaches for years until someone told me they're not normal. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So I don't have a headache. <laughs> it's just crazy. <laughs> I'm curious, how did you like stop having headaches then? You know what's funny is I stopped having headaches last year. And what changed it is I went to a Tony Robbins seminar unleash the power within. Mm. And he specifically touched on this. He's like, are you ever, have you, like, have you ever been in an experience where you're around someone so long, you start to adapt their personality? And I'm like, yeah, like my entire life. Yeah. And so he's like, um, he's like, this may come in their attitude or their body pain or this or that. And I was like, okay, I see where you're going. And so he specifically touched on headaches and it was like this, this release an old story releasing, like, I think it's called like the Dickinson process or something like that, but it was rewriting your story, feeling and allowing yourself to be in the agony and then envisioning your life in 10 years with that amount of pain, like tripled and then quadrupled and then keep piling on the pain for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and imagine your life still there where you're at, dealing with that pain, dealing with the same story, dealing with the life that you hate like how does that feel and so finally he was like release it like i want you to yell as loud as you can scream cry like do whatever you can to let it out and so it was sixteen thousand people in an arena like screaming bloody murder and so much pain and so much like anxiety 
Mm. And then towards the end, we're just like laughing and crying out of joy because like we were able to release our old story. It was amazing. I have chills. <laughs> amazing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, you also just went to um, an event, Jamie, um, in Vegas. You know, I kind of want to touch on that too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, that was a huge thing for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That you briefly shared or not. Well, you did share recently um, on social media and yeah. you know, girlfriends and stuff like that. And um, tell us a little bit uh, about that and, and how that went. Um, I mean, as much as you want to share, of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fine. I, um, Vegas was a really great time until it wasn't, I like to say. Um, it was a weekend full of being surrounded by super positive, influential, like inspiring women and men who are on the same walk of life. It was for my network marketing business. And we were all just there to have a good time, there to grow, there to learn, there to inspire. And it was wonderful. And my last night, um, I had two friends in town who I grew up with. And so they were actually in Vegas when I was there. And so we're like, Oh my gosh, let's get together and go see this, um, this DJ group that I really enjoy. And so, um, we all got together it was like 11 o'clock at night and we finally show up and I had one drink before this point. I'm on my second and then I finished my, and this was like all like within a three hour span. I finished my second and begin my third and I blacked out. Someone roofied my drink and I remember nothing. What I do remember is waking up the next morning at like 6.30 in the morning in the hospital and apparently the ambulance came, picked me up from the club, drove me to the um, ER, and that's when I woke up. And I just remember waking up to this woman saying, I'm trying to help you, I'm trying to help you, I'm trying to get you out of here, I know you wanna go home, let's go, like get up, wake up. And I'm like, I'm like not in it. Like I'm not like, I'm not in my body, I feel really uncomfortable, but I'm like, okay, like you're trying to help me, let's go. And I'm not seeing anything until I lift my eyes up and I see one of my best friends, JC there in the waiting room to pick me up. And it was this like really excited in the moment, but so confused moment, like where I was like, Oh, here's my friend still not understanding that I was in the ER. Like I didn't put two and two together. I was just like, this woman's trying to take me to my friend. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much. You know? And so it wasn't until I'm in the car and I look down and I see myself just like in the hospital gown and in my friend's car. And then the, the bracelet around my wrist saying like, I was like checked in and then I fell asleep again. And then like, I'll come back into it. And then I'm at uh, my friend's house and he had to go to work. So he's like, your hotel is way too far for me to drive right now. I literally have to be at work in 30 minutes. You stay here, rest. I have to go to work. Um, just, you know, call an Uber from my house to your hotel. And I was like, okay. So I just remember being passed out and then waking up and realizing I had less than an hour to be back at my hotel, to be checked out, get all of my things out. And then I had, that was the day that I was actually going to 
leave. Like I have a fight and everything. And so I don't even remember getting back to the hotel or leaving my friend JC's house. I don't remember any of it. I just remember just like waking up, being in my hotel room on the floor, going back out, waking up, being in the lobby with all of my stuff, going back out, waking up at my friend's job, getting the key, going back out and waking up at his house. And so it was just like these little picture clips that I remember, but attaching the story, I don't. And it was just like this crazy feeling. So by midnight, I was gone. Like I was unconscious um, and, and pretty much just like waiting for the ambulance to get there. And then by 9 p.m., I was on an airplane back home. And so that entire, for the next four days, I was full of anxiety, so scared, so nervous because I couldn't get a hold of JC and my friend Chelsea at the same time so that I could connect the story of what happened to me. So up until this point, I still don't know if I was sexually abused. I still don't know what happened to me. I was covered in bruises. I had um, fingerprints on my chest. I had fingerprints on my thighs. I had huge welts on my knees and I had her as if like I had fallen and hit my head. My whole body was just in so much pain. My feet were scratched up and I just didn't know. And so it wasn't until I was able to get both of their stories where I found out that my girlfriend Chelsea finished my drink. And so she told me she slept the entire next day and doesn't remember getting back to her hotel room. And so she's like, I remember walking and somebody following me and then me being in my hotel room. Luckily nothing happened to either of us, but I can't imagine if something did. No. But what I do have to say is like, you guys, like this is happening every day. You know, people are getting abused and abducted every single day. Yeah. And we don't know what it's like until we're in it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what's so powerful about that is, you know, we met at, at Amber's, Amber's retreats. Um, and we briefly heard your voice there and have heard it throughout, um, throughout knowing each other. But I think like the most powerful and significant part of actually hearing your voice was when this happened to you. And it's so unfortunate that this, this did happen to you, but man, when you came on and you told your story, it was like, Oh my gosh, Jamie, like your voice just like echoed and bellowed and it wasn't in shame and it wasn't in silence, but it was just like a resounding, like, like this happened and this is happening. And it was so powerful, you know, to hear that. And like, to, to share that part of your story where, you know, when you reflect back to even like that 13 year old version of you surrounded in shame and chaos and all of that, to be able to bring that forward and share that part, you know, I, I hate that that happened to you, but I think it's also so important to share that to the listeners too. Um, you know, that this does happen, but that you are also able to share that and that you through that. And, um, you know, I want to share with them too about singing, you know, this last weekend and what you've done and how, how you've done that, but we'll, we'll get into that in just a second. Yeah. 
Yeah. Do you have any questions, Kimberly? Yeah, I kind of just wanted to touch on something, Jamie, that you had written that I just thought was really powerful that I think is really uh, relevant to what you were just talking about. Um, So just, you know, stalking your Instagram, (laughs) Um, something you wrote was, I choose to no longer be a victim of my circumstances, but an advocate for what's possible. And I just thought that was like such a powerful message and statement. And I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts a little bit more on that. Yeah. And so my entire life, I feel like I was a victim. You know, I was a victim to sexual abuse. I was a victim to um, feeling like I, my parents didn't want me or like I wasn't enough or I wasn't loved. Um, you know, I was a victim to my schooling process because I dropped out my sophomore year. And so all of these things like made me feel and just reaffirmed that I was nothing that I wasn't good enough, that I was literally here just to do what I'm told. And my mom reaffirmed that for me. You know, she's a wonderful mother now, but going through the hard stuff with her when I was younger, I just remember feeling and her affirming that um, you're, you only speak unless you're spoken to. Don't speak out of line. If you want to do anything creative, go do it in your room. Don't do anything on my dining table. Don't dirty the house. Go to your room if you want to have, like just all of these things that made me feel like, if I want to share my light, I have to do it in a sacred space. And that needs to be in my room where no one can hear or see me or acknowledge me. And so all of my life, I just remember feeling like, like victimized. Like it would be, I get cut off at a light and I'm like, Oh yeah. Cause this always happens to me. Like mm-hmm. I'm the victim here. Great. Cool. And, um, especially growing up because my family kind of had a reputation in my town. And so everybody knew us, everyone knew my brother and my sister and my mom. And it was this feeling of like, Oh, here's Jamie. She's going to be another one of them, you know? And so like I adopted this story that I really wasn't enough. And so growing up and growing out of that, I read what began like my personal development is I read 17 books in a span. I think it was like six months and it was such a condensed amount of time where my life changed. I was actually recovering after my breast augmentation and I had nothing else to do. And so I either watched Netflix or I read books and I picked up a lot of books. I remember a girlfriend coming over and this is when I had just gotten into network marketing I had a girlfriend come over and um, she was looking at my coffee table and she's like, what are you doing? Like, are you good girl? (laughs) I was like, yeah, I read this one and I liked this one and I read that one and that, you know, and I just like, I was like the energizer bunny because I didn't know that life could be different. You know, I was still living with my husband at the time. I was a mom to two at this time, still am. But I just remember feeling like, oh my God, like these are real books. Like these aren't like fiction books. These are nonfiction books and they have stories that are really bad, but they're really great because they no longer feel that way about themselves anymore. I was like, I can do that too. Like I have permission to do that too. Mm -hmm. And just like watching YouTube videos and hearing people's stories of how they overcame like their life and how they were victims and how they're no longer victims it's an inflection point. It's a point where you decide like, 
am I going to live this way forever or am I going to take my life into my own hands and change my circumstance? Am I going to look at this like this for the rest of my life or can I allow myself to have a new perspective? Can I allow myself that paradigm shift that is going to show me that these little things, these huge at the moment things, but these little things that happened in my life are actually here to serve me. And I, I, for the longest time had just the illest feelings for my mom. I was like, at, the, at one point, I just remember feeling like I, like I hated her. Like I hated you for allowing me to go through life like this and, and allowing me to be abused and all of this stuff and being raised this way. And I was like, but you know what? I'm really thankful for you too, because had it not have been for you, I wouldn't have learned any of this. Like I wouldn't have learned what I don't want. I wouldn't have learned what I do want. I wouldn't have learned um, just like the little, the little hints, right? Like the little moments that I had gone through that I now have that perspective for my daughters. Yeah. Like I was sexually abused and I know the triggers now. I know the signs, right? Wow. I know the little signs that I can recognize from my family, but had I not gone through it, I feel like I would be naive. I feel like I would not understand that my kids are suffering. You yeah. Know? And so, yeah. So it just gives you this beautiful understanding that like what you go through in your life is exactly where you need to be. Yeah. Tony Robbins has that saying, or he said it, I think maybe in his, um, the documentary about I'm not your guru where he says if you you have to blame them for everything so if you're blaming them for the bad then you also have to blame them for the good yeah. and and give them credit for all of the good in your life as well yeah yeah as that that one is like really powerful I remember hearing that for the first time and I sobbed because it's so true you know he obviously places it in a much more vulgar way but like <laughs> Yeah. It's so true. If you're going to blame them for all of the messed up stuff, you better blame them for the good because you wouldn't be the person you are without the good and the bad. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Jamie, I want to ask you, you know, uh, like we've, we've talked about, you know, a, a lot of awesome, awesome things. And um, I, I love just, I love hearing your voice and I love like the power behind it. And I love what you've created out of it. You know, the community you've created, the friendships you've cultivated, um, the lives that you're changing with it when once it was truly silenced, you know, you, you just said like, um, you know, you don't speak unless you're spoken to. And now the power that you hold behind it, you know, you, you've created the program, the Calling You Home Collective, and that's incredible within itself. And I think, um, I, I want you to share the story too of um, when the last time you sang the national anthem. So you guys, I, for the listeners out there, I'll give you just a little bit of background and let Jamie tell the story. So we were at a retreat this past weekend and it was just amazing. Um, and the first time uh, Kimberly and I met Jamie was at this retreat. And so she just, she sang a little bit. We were all singing and like, mm -hmm. I was awkwardly dancing, but they were singing and, and Jamie would sing just a little bit. And, and you're like, Oh my gosh, like this girl has an amazing voice, you know, 
holy Mm -hmm. cow. And then she would share like a little bit more and a little bit more. But this past weekend, she sang the national anthem. But Jamie, I want you to share with the listeners like (laughs) progress, like how it's come about from that. Because I think that's just so powerful. Like the point of like stepping into your into yourself and that part of your story too, that where once you felt silence, like stepping on that stage and singing, and it was so like, it was beautiful and not just the national anthem, but singing in front of that group of women, you know, you are beautiful. That was, it was so powerful and amazing. Yeah. So when I was in high school, it was my sophomore year in high school. This was before I dropped out. And, (laughs) and I remember just, being asked to sing the national anthem for the wrestling team. And I practice and I practice and I practice and I practice. But as I'm practicing, I'm like reaffirming, like, you can't do this. You can't do this. You're not going to do this. Like you're going to fail. You're going to choke. Like you're not going to do very well, but I practice and I practice and I practice. And I got into the wrestling room. I start singing. I'm super shaky doing way too much with my voice. Like just like trying to rush through it. And I forgot the words. I forgot the words in the middle of the song. And I just went cold. Like my whole body just froze. I took the mic. I put it down on the ground. And I like walked as fast as I could until I started running out of the wrestling room. My school at this time was under renovation. And... I went to the bathroom and like, I just hear like footsteps. Like my girlfriends are like chasing me out. And, but like, as the girlfriends are chasing me out, half of the people in there are laughing. So it's like, I hear them laughing, but I also feel like, you know, what we know this time to know as our tribe, like my tribe was chasing me out to be there for me. Um, and so I just remember running into the bathroom covering my my eyes my hands like my hands are still shaking I've got the freaking cold sweats my armpits are sweating and I just remember leaning on the sink and the sink fell off of the wall (laughs) oh no like you know let's just put the cherry on top of the whipped cream and have the sink fall off after you bomb the national anthem (laughs) It doesn't smell good either. Like, it's just like the floor is all soggy now. Like, water is streaming down off the wall. My friends are running in. They're like, what happened? And then they look at the wall and the ground. They're like, what happened? And I'm like, I don't know. And so it was just this moment of, like, never again am I ever singing. I'm never going to speak my voice. Like, no one's ever going to hear me singing again. That's it. Don't ask me to sing the national anthem. And so Amber, who is my coach at the time, she came to me and she goes, why don't you sing? I'm like, I don't know. She's like, no, really, why don't you use your voice? You don't sing, you don't talk, you don't do any of it. And you want to be a life coach. You're going to have to do one or the other or both. And I was just like, I started sobbing, you guys, because all of the stories of Do not speak unless you're spoken to. If you want to sing, go to your room. If you want to play an instrument, do it in your room. Do it when I'm not home. I don't want to hear it. You know, turn the volume down. Just all of those things, like, came flooding in in the moment when she asked me, why don't you? And so from that moment, from that coaching call, I just remember feeling like 
there is so much to your story that has yet been spoken that you need to start somewhere. And so I would start recording music on Instagram, but just the 15 second clips that were recorded because didn't want to go live because that's way too vulnerable for me. And like, at least this one, I could take like 25 takes and no one will know, but not live. Like I just can't do live. And so at the retreat, Amber was just like, okay, you're going to sing for all of us. And I was like, no, I'm not. She's like, yeah, you are. And so she puts on the song. I remember singing and feeling super uncomfortable, but like this like relief of, okay, I did it. Like, you know, I got through, I didn't die. Like I'm alive. I'm still here. And they still kind of like me. So that's cool. Um, and then, you know, going on to this, I, it was really interesting because I actually volunteered my time to help my girlfriend, Crystal, um, at her retreat. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to do a good deed and help her out. See if she needs anything. I'll drive all the way to Tennessee to help her. And a couple of days after I offered to help and she's like, absolutely. She comes back and she's like, Hey, so would you, I've been like praying about this and you came into my mind. Would you be open to singing one of my favorite songs for the retreat? And I was like, yes. Like there was no hesitation until like after I said, yes. I was like, absolutely. And I was like, Oh crap. What am I doing? <laughs> like just so nervous. And then couple days after that, she comes again. She's like, hey, you can say no if you don't want, don't want to do it, but would you be open to singing the national anthem for the American Cancer Society? And um, I was just like an instant yes. And then again, like, why did I say yes? What am I doing? I, there's no way that I can do this. And I remember like just being on the stage right before I'm about to walk on the stage. I'm like, I forgot the lyrics. I, there, I, I forgot the lyrics. I can't do this. And then this overwhelming calm just filled my body. And I was just like, I got this. And so she's, my girlfriend, Melanie's like on her phone, scrolling, looking for the, for the, um, the lyrics. She's like, Oh my God, here, just take the phone with me. I'm like, Nope, I got this. Like, it was just like handled. Don't need it. I'm going to be okay. And so I get up there still obviously nervous, just take like the longest deep breath. And everybody was just so silent. And I'm like, okay, I can do it on this breath. And like, I had to take a whole other breath <laughs> to start because I'm like, okay, not ready yet. Okay, I can do this. And so I sang it and I didn't forget the words. Like it was just this moment of a comeback. And it was 10 years later of not using my voice that I made the comeback to that song, the national anthem. And I felt so empowered, so inspired, just so strong through that experience. And just w finishing and hearing all of the claps and seeing my girls, the tribe, my community, my loves, like running after me and just hugging me just was a moment that you can't replace with any other experience. It was a moment where you're like, I'm not alone anymore. I can speak and I'm going to be heard. I can mess up and I'm still going to be loved. I am going to shine and they're still going to support me and they're not going to feel like I'm trying to outshine them. You know, like, isn't that such a really powerful thing? Like we feel like sometimes we're in a room and we're like, can't shine too much because they don't want to see me shine too much. Like they want me to stay mm -hmm. still a little small to make them feel significant. But no, it's like, 
girl, you better shine. Like you better work it, you know, snaps and all like, and so it was just the most amazing experience. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so powerful to be able to watch you do that. Like goosebumps listening to you recap <laughs> because it was like goosebumps listening to you sing it. I loved it. So much. Thank you. Yeah, it was Thank amazing. you. And so I, I kind of want to bring it full circle a little bit, you know, and, and where you are today, like, you know, we've talked about, uh, gosh, a lot of things. And as far as what rock bottom looked like for you, what it even looked like before rock bottom, you're like before rock bottom, but now where you are today and how you're able to reflect back on how far you've come and like the business you've built. And so to be able to compare um, compare those, you know, your, your story now, you know, what you're living, the pen that you hold yourself and the stories that you're writing for yourself and the voice that you're using now compared to what it looked like before. So what does it, what does life look like for Jamie today? Yeah. So it, what's funny is I actually, um, created a big, I think I shared this on my Instagram yesterday, but I have this notebook that was completely drenched in water this past January, but I had it since mid last year and mid last year, like last year, I was like, Oh, my year is already over. Like this year sucks. Like I, I'm just going to wait until 2018 to like start the real year, you know? Yeah. And so I made this list August of 2017 for 2018. And I was like, you know, Next year is going to be my year of growth, my year of self-love, my year of being a devoted entrepreneur, my year of building solid and stable relationships, building deeper relationships, getting a new car, buying a home, um, finding my voice, being vulnerable, having a bigger vision and learning to ground myself. And I want to like touch on my negative beliefs first because August of last year, Still at this time, my beliefs were, I'm not good enough to deserve success. I'm not capable of being loved by a man. I have to do everything alone and have no voice. Mm -hmm. And so being able to see my goals and my negative core beliefs on the same page had me sobbing yesterday when I read this notebook. And the reason why is because I look at my goals and I accomplished everything and it's only June. Yeah. And so that story that I had, those negative beliefs that I had aren't mine anymore. And so, you know, now I'm a homeowner. I'm a mom. I have a successful business. Like I'm loving my life. Then that's not to say that those thoughts don't come up, but it almost comes up like the hamster on the wheel right? But like the wheel are the thoughts and like things are flying at you. And I see them now. Like I see it like it's on a film or it's like little pictures. And it's like, that's the thought of um, not being good enough. That's the thought of not being lovable. That's the thought of not using my voice. Mm -hmm. And I see them from an outer person now. Yeah. And so now I can like witness those and say, 
And they kind of laugh at them. I'm like, oh no, like that's just silly. Like, let's just get rid of that thought. Like, let's let that run its course. Like, let's go let that run the wheel because I just want to flip by it. You know, let's swipe. Like you're on a dating app. Like, let's just swipe by that one. We don't want to see that one anymore, right? Left swipe. <laughs> yeah, like we're just gonna double heart that thought because I like that thought. Like, you know, and it, it's just really funny now because where I am today, it's I'm happy. And I think that's just the biggest thing is like, I'm at peace. And I, I never thought that I can get here. I'm at peace with where my life is. I'm at peace with what's to come, whether it's good or bad, because I know how to handle them now. I know that instead of going into inwards and into a ball and feeling all of those really hard feelings, I now see them and witness them. And I can say, oh my gosh, like I'm upset right now and I'm feeling upset because I'm not feeling heard in this situation, which is triggering the past of when I didn't feel heard then. So I'm actually just projecting my old feeling onto this new experience. Mm -hmm. And if I want a new experience, I can't do that. Yeah. And so now it just allows me to see life differently. Yeah. It, it allows me to like, enjoy getting on the floor with my kids and watching them play or fight, you know, like just like getting there on that level and like honoring those sacred moments where they feel connected, right? Like you feel present. Your mind isn't going a million hours, a million miles an hour playing these old thoughts. Like you're actually just in the moment. Mm -hmm. And to me, money successes, none of that can replace that feeling of just being here now. You say on Instagram, you say you can't always choose what life throws at you, but you can always decide how you respond to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think realizing for me as well, one of the most powerful things that I've realized, no matter you know, if, if, if it's something good that happens to you, whether it's a stressful situation, whether it's a loss of a loved one, whether it's a stressful job, is that you always have a choice and you can decide how you're going to respond to that. And so kind of like the hamster wheel, you know, it, it's never to say that you say you're at peace with your emotions now or with your life now, not to say that it's perfect by any means, but now you're able to to acknowledge those feelings, to um, see those feelings, and to respond to them from a different point than you were six months ago. Yeah. It's not even six months into the year. And that is so amazing to be able to reflect back on that. And and, in six months from now, whatever you're journaling today, like being able to reflect back on that and see a continual pattern of growth, you know, and be able... um, to just cherish that and value that. I think that is so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think we get to a point where it really is the decision. Tony Robbins also says something along the lines of, um, it doesn't take you 10 years to change your life. It takes you 10 years to get to the moment where you decide to change your life. Mm. And so that really resonates with me because there really was a moment and many moments that, and I call them inflection points. There were many little moments that were forever changed by my decision to, to change them. And so I truly believe that if you change your story, you change your life. You know, had I lived with my story of 
I am a troubled teen who dropped out of high school, whose parents were heroin addicts, whose dad was a hitman, whose brother was murdered, who was sexually abused at 13, who was divorced. Like, you know, like all of these stories, like I can look at it like that was really crappy or I can say, girlfriend, I know you're struggling with this. I can help you. Like I've been there too. I get it. You know, like Mm -hmm. I've been there. Where are you at? Because I can truly honor, see and respect you and hear you from your perspective. I can help you, you know, and it's, it's, learning and taking everything that you've learned and using it for good, using it for the good, like using it to create an enlightened experience around your troubled circumstance. Yeah. And serving others. And that's exactly, that's what you're doing. Yeah. 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 So where do you, where's Jamie going? Where's Jamie going to be in six months from six months from now, a year from now, what does the future look like for you? Oh my gosh. Where am I not going is the question. Like what's funny is I haven't even written that up yet. Like Mm. my goals, I thought that this was going to take me a really long time to do and it didn't. And so it just shows that like the sky is the limit friends. Like I know what I do want and I want to be able to put my kids in a better schooling system. Like I want to be able to either homeschool them or hire somebody to come in and take care of them here while I work. Um, but I just know that I don't want to miss the moments. Like I don't want to miss the little moments that we all wish that we can get back. Mm-hmm. And so mine is travel, being able to be more present, showing my children new experience, showing up more, in my community and like serving, you know, doing more, um, doing more love work really is it like loving on more people and reaching the masses in such a huge way at once, mm-hmm. you know, cause I really want to, um, like serve and, and speak to younger children who maybe are in the same circumstance that I had been in and speak to them from the place that I am now. You know, had someone told me that I would be where I am now, I would have probably like flicked them off. Like you're lying. Like that's too good to be true, you know? And so being able to speak to the younger generation and share my light, share my wisdom, share my story and just give them new hope and new eyes and new light is all I want to do. And whatever form that comes, I don't care. (laughs) I'm really excited to see what goals you reach in another six months. And if you have any doubt about them, I'm going to be like, Jamie, the podcast is like, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have a couple, I know, and Kimberly has a couple questions for you. So I like to, to, um, end with some fun questions, but yeah. one I want to ask, and I've not asked anybody yet. Um, if I were to ask you, you know, we need to talk, what is something, you know, the title of the podcast, what do you think we need to talk about? You know, what is one of the major topics that, you know, when you say we need to talk, it's obviously like an uncomfortable, like, yeah. girl, we need to talk. So yeah. what is a topic that you feel like is hushed or it holds a stigma or it is something that, um, you know, people just don't talk often enough about what is it that we need to talk about? 
Oh my gosh, there is so much. Like, do you want to scroll? Like, do you like want to hear? <laughs> girl, what is it? I got you, fam. Um, I would say the biggest thing that we need to talk about right now is more women just speaking up about their own circumstances whatever that may be. You know, I have so many girlfriends right now who are dealing with, um, not being able to get pregnant, you know, or, um, abortions or the guilt and the shame surrounded by that or, um, relationships Mm -hmm. and relationships through the good and the bad, you know, like, I think that's a really big one because we see so many, um, couple hashtag couple goals or hashtag fitness couple or like you know all of these really glorified and beautiful couples and then all of a sudden they're no longer together and so we see all the highlights right but like we don't necessarily understand that we're through the mess together trip too mm-hmm. right like we also want to hear about like what you deal with in a relationship, how you overcome things in a relationship, how to work through them, how to work through abortion, how to, you know, like just all, all of the stuff, all of the taboo stuff. Like that's what I said earlier this year. Like I'm going to talk about the stuff that no one likes to talk about because that's what we really need help on. That's what we really need help on. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a question. I, one last question for me is, Jamie, you have worn many hats in your life. Um, <laughs> you know, either just you're a mom, you are a college dropout, uh, you know, you were a wife at one point, you're a daughter, you were a divorcee, um, a business owner. With all of the hats that you have learned to wear in your life, what have they taught you about what it means to be a human? Mm. My mom taught me probably the best lesson ever. And that one is don't judge a single person on their own experience because you never know when you're going to be in it too. And so if I can say anything about all of the hats that I've worn, I would say the biggest thing that I can take away is your journey is yours for a reason and your hat may not fit the same on someone else's head. And so someone's business may look completely different from yours, but that's not to say that yours is bad and theirs is good or theirs is bad and yours is good. Yeah. It's to say that you both are wearing a hat, right? Like you both are going through the same experience. Like someone may be having a really good successful career and someone may just be in the beginning, but we still feel the same emotions. We still feel like we're not doing enough. We're not good enough to do it. We're not showing up in the same way or like all of these feelings. So it doesn't matter where you are in your journey. Like everybody has the same overall emotions. And so I think understanding that we can all relate for something like that is what makes it right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much today, Jane. I'm so excited. So excited for the listeners to be able to hear your story and your voice and how powerful it is and and everything in between there. Um, one thing, I know they're going to want to connect with you, um, definitely. And so where can they find you? Where, like, yeah. 
find more of you. Where are you hanging out? Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, or my website. My website is jamieherena.com. So J A Y M I E G E R E N A.com or Jamie underscore Herena on Instagram or Jamie Lee Herena on Facebook. Yeah, and I'll put all of those yeah. in, in the show yeah. notes. So yeah. find those. Um, and, and I'm just excited for people to get to get to know you and get to find you and get to just get more Jamie (laughs) (laughs) to share you with the world. I know because it's just so much fun. So honored to be here friends. Honestly, so, so honored. Thank you. Thank you. Hey guys, we need to talk. I just wanted to take a moment and thank you so much for being here, for being part of this incredible, amazing tribe and just amazing community. You know, it takes a lot for somebody to be able to be vulnerable and to share their stories in this manner. And it also takes a lot for somebody to be able to listen and to hold space and that's you. And so thank you for that. And if you find yourself needing help, if you find yourself wanting to connect on a deeper level, if you find yourself just wanting to reach out and talk to either me or Kimberly, please do not hesitate to do so. Um, That's available to you guys and so many avenues and we love hearing from you. And if you have a moment, please head on over to iTunes and leave a review and let us know what you think. You know, your thoughts are important to us, your stories are important to us, and we love hearing from you. Until next time.